Hello, friend. Welcome to Village Idiots for Christ and I Am Who I Am podcast. They're both the same. One with the video, one without. <laughs> Pretty simple. Isaiah 43, part 2, verse 14 through 28. Let's just jump in several sections here. We'll just go ahead and break it down. It's God's mercy and Israel's unfaithful. And this is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake I will send to Babylon and bring down as fugitives all the Babylonians and the ships in which they took pride. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator, your King. This is what the Lord says, who made a way through the sea, he who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the armies and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. That's verses 14 through 17. What he's talking about here, I, w- I had to read the footnotes because I wasn't following here. This is the second exodus. As ex- Israel's original exodus was from Egypt. And then this is hundreds of years in the future when they have been taken into captive by the Babylonians and now God's bringing them home again. So he's what he's saying is, okay, let's just go through it. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I will send to Babylon, bring down as fugitive all the Babylonians and the ships in which they took pride. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator, your King. This is what the Lord said, he who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. God would bring his people back and he would snuff out Babylon. And that's what happened. Babylon was snuffed out. Um, I can't remember who conquered who. It's in Daniel and other places. But um, the ones that took Israel captive, God was faithful to them and brought Israel back. But he snuffed out the Babylonians. Again, they lay there uh, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together. And they lay there. That's talking about death. And they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. You know, a wick for a candle. Man, God snuffed them out. I forget how the Babylonians were conquered. They came in under the wall through the water shafts or something like that. It's very interesting history. But I think they were all partying at the time. And I don't know if it was the Medes or the Persians, whoever took them out. It doesn't say in the footnotes here. But what he's saying is this is this is the exodus. that This is the second exodus that God is, is bringing uh, Israel through. And watch this. It gets really interesting. They're talking about how uh, God wants them to... to so focus on what's going on now, what, what, not what happened in the past. Watch this. At verse 18, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I make a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they, mo- that they may proclaim my praise. Again, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. This is what was at the bottom of the footnotes, talking about the exodus coming out of Babylon was going to be glorious. And how God said, don't worry about what happened coming out of Egypt. Look at what I'm doing now in the desert. And how, again, how he provides water, not only for the animals, but to give drink to my people, my chosen one. Because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Again, the wild animals honor him, the jackals and the owls. Because he is making streams in the wasteland, but he's also doing it for his chosen people. Again, I, I give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I've, I've formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Man, man, God is so good to us. 
He is so good to his chosen. Again, if you're in Christ, you're one of his chosen. He's good to us. He makes a way through the desert. We all, go through, we all have desert experiences in our lives. This You can extrapolate out on this. You can look at this in a metaphorical way. We all go through a tough times in our lives, but God always provides. He, the Bible says he won't let us be tested beyond what we can stand. He'll make a way where there is no way. And man, we just have to, we just have to trust him. We just have to proclaim again, the people I form my, formed for myself that they may proclaim my praise. Now God formed us for himself to proclaim his praise, to praise him. Man. And, and this is what you hear. Oh, God is just so into himself he just wants praise and worship no 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 that's not how this thing works yes god is deserving of praise and worship but when you praise god it's like i don't want to say it in a in a bad way but it's like god goes crazy it's like you ever been in the spirit and all of a sudden you're just in the worship and you're in all of a sudden you're just experiencing god that's i don't know how to explain it any better than that all of a sudden you're just caught up and caught away with god you're uh, the the in the man it's the, the they're talking about the manifold grace of god and that it's it's so deep and i mean it gives you such peace peace that surpasses my four favorite thing peace that surpasses understanding and knowledge uh, joy unspeakable full of glory content in every situation and rest at Jesus feet man you come into that place as you proclaim his praise and it changes you yes you're honoring and worshiping God but as you're honoring and worshiping him he's affecting you he affects your mind your heart your body everything gets affected man it's like just the overflow out of it's like God's heart just pouring into you as you worship and praise him and people think God is selfish and stuff. no no not at all he wants us to experience him. Eternal life, John 17, 3. Eternal life is knowing the Father, the one true God, and the one he sent, Jesus Christ. We can know God. And you know him through, through praise, through worship, through prayer, through his word. Man, it brings you into a relationship with him. It, it just, I, 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 you can, I can only proclaim it. I can't explain it. It's just you get caught up in it and there's no way to explain it to anybody. You have, this is, this is, this is for the deep and abiding only. This is for those that are going to go, um, uh, Ezekiel saw outside of the, the temple, he saw water ankle deep, water knee deep, water waist deep, and water that went over your head. This is in late Ezekiel and it's talked about. Ezekiel walked out for a ways and it was the water was ankle deep then he walked a ways more knee deep walked a ways more waist deep and then it was water he could swim in and this is an example of the spirit you can have you want to have ankle an ankle deep experience with the spirit you can you can do the surface thing God will accept you but you're missing out but but you keep walking in you keep getting closer to God and, and more intimate and pretty soon you're knee deep and you're starting to really experience things and then you keep on pressing in, you keep on pressing in, and then you're ankle deep. This is in Ezekiel 40-something, but it's, it's not hard to find. But if you keep pressing in, you keep doing relationship, not religion, but relationship with God, pretty soon you're in water. that It just it, it overtakes you. And, and you're just in this flow of the Spirit that no one can explain to you. But you have to be willing to press in. If, if, if you want, no one can do this for you. You have to press in yourself.
You have to, you have to proclaim his praise yourself. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. I can't do it for Jack and Mark. Mark and Jack can't do it for me. We, we have to press into God ourselves. This is our choice. God doesn't love you any less if you don't press in. But the benefit of pressing in is experiencing God more and deep and in an amazing and beautiful and abiding way. I, I can't, I, I, mean, I can ramble on about this forever. But check out that, I don't, again, I don't know where it's at in Ezekiel. Water, just go water that's waist deep. Just Google it. Water's waist deep. Water's knee deep. It it's, wouldn't be hard to find. But the choice is ours. Do you want ankle deep, an ankle deep experience with God, or do you want water that you can swim in that's over your head? It's your choice. You make the decision how close to get to God, how far to press in. And <laughs> no, but watch this. Here's the tragedy. Israel's unfaithfulness. So watch what he said. Verse 22. Yet you have not called upon me, O Jacob. You have not wearied yourself for me, O. You have not wearied yourselves for me, O Israel. You have not brought me sheep for burnt offerings, not nor honored me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you with grain offerings, nor wearied wearied with wearied you with demands for incense. You have not brought any fragrant calamus for me, or lavished on me the fat of your sacrifices, and and. But you have burdened me with your sins and wearied me with your offenses. These guys didn't even want an ankle deep experience with God. Listen, I mean, God provides water in the desert, streams in the wasteland, but for us, his chosen people, so we can proclaim his praise. And Israel chose to not call upon not call upon me O Jacob you, uh, you have, yet you have not called upon me O Jacob you have not wearied yourselves for me oh, Israel just like nah, nah I don't want to weary myself for God nah it's too hard nah I, I'm sorry I just I don't care that much you have not brought me sheep for burnt offerings don't honor me with your sacrifices they didn't even want to do the minimum the minimum is the sacrifice not the maximum the minimum the prescribed sacrifice it's like the tithe the 10% tithe that's the minimum you can give God we go way, you should go way beyond that with God. I'm not talking about just money, I'm talking about your whole life. They they didn't even they didn't even do the didn't want to even do the minimum of burnt offerings or sacrifices for God. I have not burned you with grain offerings, nor wearied you the demands. He he didn't and because these people were coming out of exile, they didn't he didn't he didn't feel like he had, he could burn them with grain offerings or weary them. Uh, with demands for incense, so he pulled back a little bit because he knew these people were, you know, coming out of exile. They could only, they could only do so much. So God held back a little bit. He says, "Look, I know you ain't got the grain for the, um, the grain for the grain offerings. I know you don't have the incense for the incense." So he pulled back. He even says right here, "I have not burdened you with grain offerings, nor wearied you with demands for incense." So he was being merciful to these guys who didn't, you know, you're coming out of exile. You probably ain't got a lot of stuff. You know, they had enough to do the burnt offerings and the, and the animals for sacrifice, but they didn't have the grain or the incense. So God says, okay, you ain't got that. I understand that. I'm not even going to burden you with that. What a kind God. What a good God. You know, and let's continue on. And, and then he goes on. And he shifts gears a little bit in 24. You have not brought me any fragrant calamus. You have not brought any fragrant calamus for me or lavished on me the fat of your sacrifices. Again. The minimum stuff. I don't know what calamus is here. You're not fragrant calamus. Calamus may have been an ingredient in the incense used in worship. Okay. A sacrifice crying both giving and valuable animal and pleading with God for forgiveness. Okay. So 
They didn't bring any fragrant calamus. Again, the incense was the fragrance. Or lavish on him the fat of his uh, of your sacrifices. But... But yeah, hey, yeah, but you know what you've done for me here? Yeah, you won't, you won't give me any fat. You, know, you won't honor me with the fat of the sacrifice. You won't bring me any fragrant. You won't bring me any incense, calamus for the incense. He said, but you have burned me with your sins and wearied me with your offenses. Man, do we treat God like crap or what? And I'm not, I'm not putting us down, but human people, humankind. You know, we treat God like he's nothing. He's the king of the universe. With the son who died on a tree for us and gave his blood for us that we might be saved. <laughs> but you have burdened me with your sins and weird me with your offenses. Shame on us. Again, I don't do condemnation. I'm not picking on you. I'm, not, I'm talking about shame on us, humankind. Shame on us, people. The way we treat God. He's worth so much more than the way he's treated by most people. And I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm, I'm saying I'm using all of us together. We've all treated God bad. All of us somehow have fallen short in our treatment of God. Even in our minimum service, we've fallen short, all of us. That's just the human kind. That's the devil deceiving us. That's just the, the human condition is to just treat God like he's worthless. And again, I'm not picking on you and I'm not picking on me. I'm just talking about in general, the way we treat God. It ain't right. Let's continue on. Verse 25. I even I, I even I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. Review the past for me. Let us argue the matter together. State the case for your innocent, your your, your innocence. Your first father sinned. Your spokesmen rebelled against me. So I will disgrace the dignities of the dignitaries of your temple. And I will consign Jacob to destruction and Israel to scorn. God is just. He's just. Some of this stuff is hard. But man, you know, it's like, again, I use it again and again and again. There's some lines you can't come back from. There's some bridges. So some bridges you burn. There's no way back. That's why I always talk about the mark of the beast. And you burn that bridge with the mark of the beast and it's burned forever. You'll never have a relationship with God again. I mean, again, I, even I am he who blots out your transgressions for his own sake. And remembers your sins no more. And he's saying, okay, I'm the one that can forgive your sins. Okay, verse 25. Then verse 26. Review the past for me. Let us argue the matter together. State the case for your innocence. So he says, okay, I'm the one who can forgive your sins. But let's have a discussion about this. Let's talk about this. State the case for your innocence. And then shifts gears in 27. Then he just, he's, he's laying out the facts. Your first father sinned. Your spokesman rebelled against me. Man. These people were constantly sinning against God. So I will disgrace, disgrace the dignitaries of your temple. I will consign Jacob to destruction and Israel to scorn. Man. Man. I mean, Israel scattered from AD 70 to 1948. They pay. They have paid a high. Israel has. They're going to be saved in the end. The, the re, national redemption of Israel. Again, I'm always talking about Zechariah 12, 13, 14. God is going to redeem the natural Jew. Not all of them. But God, that's a whole lot a big part of what Revelation is about. Bringing the natural Jew into Christ. We, we've been engrafted in now. God's trying to get them into him. Into his son. So that for them to recognize Yeshua HaMashiach, their Messiah. 
But so much of Israel is going to go into destruction. Even in Zechariah 12, it talks about only a third of Israel being saved, that the other two thirds are destroyed. And Zechariah 12 talks about that. There's only a remnant going to be saved at the end of the Jew, of the, the natural Jews because, again, even today, Jew, Israel is so secular. The largest LGBTQ parade in the world every year is in Tel Aviv, Israel. There's so much darkness. But again, there always will be the remnant that will be saved. Always, He always has a remnant. But much of, much of Jacob will be consigned to destruction and Israel to scorn. So much. I mean, they're going to make an agreement. And I'm, all, I'm tying in here with Revelation. But, but the, the seven-year tribulation begins when Israel makes an agreement with the Antichrist. Yeah, and then he breaks, you know, when they, when, they, when they build their temple and he signs a seven-year peace agreement with them. Still, so much rebellion against God. Again, he's going to open up their eyes, open up their hearts. Zechariah 12 through 14. But still, so much darkness. But God put this in the Bible for a reason. So we can learn these lessons. So we can learn how not to follow their pattern. And I'm not condemning Israel. I'm not because we're grafted into them. But we don't have to make the same mistakes. We can learn these lessons without making the mistakes. Read the lessons. And that's why God put these in here. So we can learn without taking the hard road. You know, taking the, the, the road of hard knocks. You know, the, the, um, the, you learn the lesson, but the tuition is real high. These cats were always on the road of hard knocks. High tuition. A lot of times destruction. So, but again, he's still a merciful God, man. I mean, he, he's, he formed... He formed for himself, for, he formed us for himself that we might proclaim his praise. That's what it's all about. And if we choose to take the wrong path into destruction, that's our choice. God gives everybody a choice. You gonna, are you going to worship me or dishonor me? You're going to serve me or are you going to rebel against me? Are you going to love me or are you going to hate me? And every human being makes a decision. So, again, not ending with a big happy note here, but again... Verse 25 and 26. Here, I mean, again, he's he's holding out he's holding out his hand. He says, Look, I, even I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. Review the past for me. Let us argue the matter together. State the case for your innocence. 25 and 26. And then 27, 28 is what they did. They went into rebellion. They went into sin, into destruction. And into judgment and punishment by God. But God in 25 and 26 is holding his hand out going, look, I'm going to blot out your sins for my own sake. Let's talk about this. Argue the case for your innocence. Show me. Tell me why you're innocent. Let's talk about this. And Israel said, don't think so. No, uh-uh. Nope. I'm just, I'm just going to go my own way. I'm going to go my, you read Judges is full of this. God would send a judge. As soon as the judge died, they go right back into darkness. God would send another judge. As soon as the judge died, they go back into darkness. Man. Again, there is no condemnation in Christ. Not beating us all up here today. But it is when you read this kind of stuff. And again, now the next chapter is, chapter 44, is Israel the Chosen. <laughs> I'm sure God feels schizophrenic with us and his people. You know, we're up, we're down, we're all around. We're right. God's riding this roller coaster with us. You know, well, well, they love me today. He's on the throne with Jesus. Well, they love me today and tomorrow. Well, they hate me today. 
<laughs> it's a miracle God just does it. You know, thank God he poured out all of, uh, of what he poured out on Jesus. You know, Jesus took the punishment for us. If God hadn't done that through Jesus, we'd all be dead. We'd all been gone. We'd all been destroyed. Because we're, we're so, we're just flaky. You know, I mean, we got the flesh, the devil, we got all this stuff. So, again, every day we make a choice. Make the right choice today. If you, if you make the wrong choice today, get up tomorrow and repent. Just keep a repentant heart before God. You know, we don't have to go off into destruction. We can overcome, but we have to guard our hearts and keep our hearts right with the Lord. We can choose to proclaim his praise or we can choose to go off in rebellion. It's our choice. Love you, love you, can't get enough of you. A whole lot of, a whole lot, a lot of diatribe in today. But it's, sometimes with this, you're like, how do I, what do I do with it? Because it's, 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 there's beautiful parts and there's heavy parts. And, you know, this is in the Bible for a reason. We're supposed to learn these lessons without making the same mistakes. Learning the lessons without making the mistakes. What a gift the Bible is. It shows us and teaches us how we can learn the lessons from Israel and not fall into the same pitfalls they did. Love you, love you, can't get enough of you. Have a blessed day.